Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. So we are in part four, like JD said, last Sunday of Prodigal. And if you have not been following along, I am going to encourage you, highly encourage you to follow along. Um, The first week, go back and watch the the video or listen to the podcast. The first week um, was titled, Let's Get Out of Here. And JD talked about the desire to leave. What do you do when you really just want to get out of here? You know, when like it just doesn't feel like you... um, you're getting anything out of where you are. You just, you just, you just want out. Break me free. I want to be free as a bird. You know. What do you do then? So go check out that message. The second week, it was titled "Where Is God?" And JD talked about God um, not being obligated to fulfill a plan He did not make. Right. Sometimes we make our plans and we want God to just fulfill it or to be there or to. Um, do what we want him to do, but God is not obligated to fulfill a plan he did not make. So go check out that message. And then week three, we talked about um, um, the, the older brother in the prodigal series, which is what about me? What do you do when people get what you think you deserve? Not what they, I mean, they actually get what they don't deserve, but don't get what you don't get what you deserve. And so, so those feelings of like envy and jealousy and like things in our heart that sometimes are there, right? What do you do when that happens, when good things happen to bad people, right? Um, so we encourage you to go listen, catch up. This is the last day in a little bit of a summary, but also a little bit of a commonality um, about these two brothers. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever read or heard a story somebody telling a story or you read an article and you thought to yourself I would never I would never do what that person did I would never act that way I would never for instance like you read about these large layoffs that are happening right now right these tech companies are laying off thousands and thousands of people and you one of the things that I read about was that they were laid off via text that's and you think about that CEO or the person doing that and you go I would never do that that is so inhumane Right? Or, or you read about these scams, you know, when there's like people getting, get, getting stuck in scams and they lose their pensions and they lose, um, you know, all, all, all that they've sown and the people that are doing that to them. And you go, I would never, I would never be so mean. How could you be so heartless? I don't sing, but you know the song. Um, or you hear stories about husbands, about wives cheating on their spouses and leaving their families in a lurch, and leaving them behind, and you think, how could they do that? I would never, I would never be so heartless to do that. We hear siblings who fight, and you know, the parents pass away, and they get into a fight, and they become so bitter, and so unforgiving, and they never talk to each other again, and they're fighting over inheritance, they're fighting over who did what, when, where, how, and you think about it, and you go, I would never do that. I could never treat the memory of my um, parents that way. We hear many stories. We hear tales. We hear stories that are filled with jealousy. They're filled with anger. 
They're filled with abuse. They're filled with neglect. They're filled with racism. We, I mean, the stories upon stories. And, we, and if we're honest, we think about it and we go, I would never do that. Right? We think, I could never do that. But this morning, I want to submit something to you. What if maybe you could? What if maybe you would do that? Given a different upbringing, given a different set of circumstances, given a different passion, given a different ambition, given a different need, what if you too could do something like that? What if you could um, behave that certain way? You see, these behaviors that we see people do, they don't emerge one day. They, nobody wakes up an adulterer. You don't wake up a thief. The reality is that you don't wake up a murderer. You become one. It is these small insignificant, seemingly insignificant decisions that we make on a day in and day out, which are transforming who we are and are forming us into the likeness of something. It is the small decisions every single day that we make that turn us into something or someone. It is a lie today. It is a manipulation. It is a little thing that we hide here. It is a small decision, a little, just a, I'm just going to put one less zero on my tax form. You know, I'm just going to say what I have to say, what's really in my heart, because I can't. I've got to be honest. I've got to tell them what I feel. It's one conversation. It's these small, seemingly insignificant steps that we take on a daily basis that transform us and make us into who we become. Scripture explains this to us. They tell us, uh, it tells us in uh, Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then in another passage in John 1, 8, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, the reality is that we all have in us a seed of sin. We all have in us the potential to bear, um, to make this, this seed become a fruit, to bear this fruit. And I love what a psychologist, Jordan Peterson, likens it to a monster. There is a monster inside each of us. And he talks about that we need to learn to see the monster, to recognize it, and to tame it. You know, he likens it to, ever had the light come on in a car engine? You know, when you see that little light on your panel and you look at it and you go, okay, something's wrong with the engine, but I'm just going to let it. I got time. I got time. Right? And you leave that light. You know you've ignored that light before. And you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And days go by and weeks go by and months go by. And you know what? In the best of outcomes, in the safest of outcomes, you will be stranded on the side of the road. One day, maybe the car doesn't, doesn't start at home. But in the worst case, it may cost you your life, right? It is much like that, that little monster, that little thing, that little seed inside of us, you know, that it's in there. And we have the potential 
to let it grow. We have the potential to let it become something evil and let us be transformed into the image, not of God, but into the image and likeness of the father of lies. We have the potential if we decide to make these small, seemingly insignificant decisions that are not in the likeness of the father. See, the story that we've been following of the prodigal sons, I I don't want to repeat the whole thing because I know many of you were in here, but we know the story to sum it up is the youngest son wants out. He wants to be free. He wants to go live an extravagant life. So he goes to his father and he tells his father, give me what is owed to me. Give me my inheritance. I want it now. I don't care that you're alive. I want your money. You can do whatever you want with you. I want my money. So he takes his stuff, right? Goes, lives extravagantly, goes and lives it up the, however he wants it, doing whatever he wants. Then he finds out that he, he don't know how to manage his time or his money. And so he, come, he is poor, poor as poor can be, feeding the pigs, decides, you know what, I can't even eat the food that the pig, the pigs are eating better than me. What am I doing? Right? He decides, okay, maybe I'm going to come back home. I'm going to ask my father if I could be his servant because even the servants in his house are doing better than me right now. So he's on his way back home. He walks home. He's halfway down the street to his father's house, you know, thinking about what he's going to say, hoping that his father will accept it because what he had done was egregious. He gets to his father, and his father lets him half put out a sentence in his rehearsed speech when his father embraces him celebrates that he is back and says, put on his ring. Let's reinstate him. He is my son. He's not a servant. He's my son. Right? The father reinstates him. They're starting a party. The older, I'm telling you the whole summarized version, but you can go look at Luke 15, 11 through 32. You read it when you get home in your own time. But the eldest, the brother, the eldest brother sees the party the father is throwing for the youngest son and is upset. He's not happy his brother's home. It's like, look, dude, you chose your path. I was here. I was being faithful. I was taking care of the stuff. Why are we throwing a party for him? I don't like it. <laughs> right? Basically, he says, I don't like it. He, he does not want his brother reinstated. And um, we find that the father says, you have always been here. Like, you can have whatever you want. Why are you being jealous? Right? That's the summary of the story. And what I find... Um, In scriptures, we can liken this monster that is within us to the acts of the flesh, right? We can liken this thing that's inside of the scripture talks a lot about the acts of the flesh. And these two brothers, the thing that is most common about them is that both of them were in the flesh. Both of these brothers were in the flesh and not in the father. Both of them were, as we're going to call it here, fleshy. They were both very fleshy, these two brothers. And the Bible talks about the acts of the flesh. The Bible talks about what, what kind of behaviors do we produce when we are in the flesh. And I want to pull up Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21. It tells us the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immora- immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So when you look at these two brothers, you can see that they were acting in this, um, in these manners, right? The youngest son, the youngest son was what? He was sexual immorality. immorality. I can never say that word. He was being immoral. Thank you, honey. He was being immoral. Impurity, debauchery, selfish ambition. Like that list kind of tells you exactly what the younger brother was doing, right? He was completely in the flesh. The older brother was also in the flesh. He had envy. He had discord. He had jealousy in his heart. All of them, both of them were in the flesh. And here's the beauty. Scripture also warns us in Matthew 26 to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friends, I want to tell you this morning that we are all vulnerable. We are all vulnerable to behaving in the flesh. We're all vulnerable to the same acts that both of these brothers fell into. We're vulnerable to allowing our flesh to be louder than the spirit of God within us. Because he see, sin is sneaky. It doesn't full-blown just one day you are, you know, doing everything wrong and committing egregious things. It starts, like I said, with small, seemingly insignificant steps. It doesn't come, sin does not come in the form of a fruit. It comes in the form of a seed. And I'll give you an example. One day you're strolling by your office and you're ha you had a terrible fight at home with your spouse. And then you're walking about and then this very gorgeous, very attractive person walks by you. And they actually smile at you and maybe give you this little flirtatious look. And they're just so nice to you, right? And you think, man, it would be nice to be married to that person. A seed, right? Or you've had a really, really long day, and it was so much pressure and so much to do at work, and you're tired and you're hungry, and, you know, maybe you just haven't slept right, and it's like you're just really so much pressure. And then you get home, and you're tired, and the kids need help, and your spouse needs help, and there's things to do in the house, and there's bills to pay, and there's more things, and the pressure is just almost unbearable. And you say, I need a drink, a seed. Or maybe you have a friend who buys a house, and you think to yourself, I make more money than them. Why is my house not better than theirs? Why can't I get that? Why don't I have a seed? These seeds, when they are watered, over time they sprout and they become trees, solid trees that begin to bear fruit in your life. James 1.15 tells us that after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. But notice, desire comes first. After the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Sadly, the fruit of these acts of the flesh is sin. And sin will bring your life to death. It will bring a halt to everything that the Lord has planned for you. It will bring to halt everything that you were made to be and do. It will bring to halt the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. All of a sudden, you are anxious and afraid and filled with things in your heart. And you're like, where does this come from? 
Well, if you have given birth to desires that were not of God, sometimes those things come along with it. You find yourself addicted, bound, living a life that is in the opposition of the Father when you give room for these acts of the flesh. See, in the story of the prodigal son, the younger son allowed the thoughts in his head that of what life could be like without his father. He thought, life without my father, life not in the confound, confound? confinement. Thank you. See, my partner. Life without the confinement of my father, without the rules, without the discipline, without the things that he wants and requires of me. Life out of here is going to be so much better. I know, I, I know my plans are better. He thought he knew better. He thought he could provide for himself and build a life that was better without his father. And what happened? The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The two things he was missing. He was dying and he had no peace. He had nothing without his father. Then the older brother was no different. The older brother had allowed the thoughts, they begin with seeds, to grow in his head. He thought he was right. He thought that he was the one that was right, that he had stayed there. He thought he deserved to be honored and awarded for it. He thought his brother was wrong. He thought his brother did not deserve to be brought back into the fold. He thought that he could be his brother's judge. He thought that he could be the judge and jury about what his brother deserved or didn't deserve. And scripture warns us about that kind of brother too, that kind of um, behavior too. It tells us in Romans 10, 3, 4, being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. That's what this older brother does. He doesn't submit to the righteousness of God. He thinks his righteousness is the one. He becomes so self-righteous that he misses the father completely. And here's the thing. I mean, how many of us can look at the older brother and go, he was kind of right. He was there. He didn't do a disservice to his father. He didn't leave and take the money. He didn't do it. I mean, he was kind of right. But who gave him the right to be the judge? Who gave him the right to say what, what the father should or shouldn't do? We think that we know better. We think that we know someone's story. We think that we, the, the, the minuscule amount of someone's life that we have seen, we think because we, we know them, we have the right to say what is right or what is wrong. We have the right to pronounce fairness. We have no idea. Our righteousness and God's righteousness are totally different things. I want to invite you guys this morning to remain in the Father and not in the flesh. The invitation comes straight out of Scripture. It's found in Colossians 3, verses 3 to 5. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, which could be all of us, if we have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now you may be thinking, how? That sounds good. It sounds like a good life, but how do I actually do that? I mean, I have to live in this world. And can I say, this world has bills, it's got responsibility, and it's got some crazy people. Right? How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to live this kind of thing in the kind of world that I live in? Well, I'm going to close with two, two ideas. The first is the what. What is it that God is calling us to? Well, the Bible, the, that passage in verse 3 says, seek the things that are above. Which begs the question, what's above? What are the things that are above? What are you talking about? What, is it, what are these things? Well, Scripture will continue to tell us what they are. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. It tells us, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What a lovely list. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, so everybody say, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, you want to know the what? What does your day look like? Does it look like compassion? Does it look like kindness? Does it look like humility? Does it look like patience? Are you forgiving the people that are doing you wrong? Are you putting on love as you walk about your day and you go around your tasks? Are you putting on love? Is peace ruling your life in everything you set out to do? Is, the, is peace your umpire? Are you thankful for the life you have? Or are you always looking at what you don't have? Are you considering the, what the Lord has already done in your life? Are you doing everything in Jesus' name? Through the Lord Jesus. Are you doing everything for his honor, for his glory? Is that what your day, this is the what. Guys, hashtag goals. This is the what. This is what we should be living. But then how? How do I actually do that? How do I actually do this? It's that same Colossians verse tells us, set your minds on things that are above. This part is discipline. This part takes a lot of work. This part, you have to go, okay, 
I'm going to put my mind in the right place. I'm not going to allow that thing to steal my joy. This part is what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This part, the how, is we do not conform. We transform. We are constantly, every day, transforming our minds because you will transform. If you employ discipline to transform into the right thing, you will produce fruit that is pleasing, that is sweet, that's perfect, that is according to God's will. If you just let yourself transform without intent by whatever is more comfortable, you will transform into something you will not like in five years because we're always transforming. The invitation requires some work, yes. But the fruit it will yield is a fruit of eternal life. Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me ask you, throughout the day, if you were to take a little summary of your mind, of your thoughts, how many of those things would fall in this list? How many of these things would be honorable, pure, lovely, commendable? It's hard work, right? Because you see, like the, it's like these thoughts just kind of come in through your head and you have to go and you have to choose which train of thought you're going to hop on. Anybody ever watch um, Inside Out, the kids movie? I love that movie. Do you guys remember the little train? It's a train of thought that comes through. I always liken it to that. It really is kind of like there's this thought that just kind of pops in your head and you go, and you have a choice at that moment to dwell on the thought, to hop on the train, or to say, ah, that's not good, that's not pleasing, that's not perfect, that's not commendable. No, 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 I'm not hopping on that train. I'm going to think about the things that are pleasing and commendable to the Lord. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, work. But it is so, so beneficial to learn to recognize when these thoughts come at you to not hop on the train and to actually take it captive and say out loud, I take this thought captive. It does not belong to the Lord. I reject you in the name of Jesus. I will think about things that are lovely, things that are good, things that are pure, things that the, the Holy Spirit has for me. All right, I'm trying to give you guys a glimpse of what it actually looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. Because sometimes I think that the Bible can become a concept and not something I can actually live every day. Right? What does this look like? Well, in my life, most of you guys know today, Christopher is seven months old. We made it to seven months. Yay. When he was born, most of you were here with me. It was chaos. I mean, I went into I, probably one of the hardest times in my life. Mind-wise, body-wise, my body became very weak. For whatever reason, um, the doctors told me that babies tend to do this. How dare they? They take all of your nutrients. 
They take everything that they need, you know, when they're in the mom's belly and leaving the mom to kind of figure out what she's going to get, which is why now I, you know, they take prenatals for that reason, because the baby's taking all of their stuff. And so he took everything he needed, leaving me very weak, very fragile. Now, if you know me, the word fa- fragile is a curse word. <laughs> I have a really hard time with that word. And I became fragile physically, but also mentally. I couldn't find strength to just kind of plow through everything that was ahead and what I needed to do. I, I, my minds were running at a million, mile, a million miles an hour, all the hormones, everything that was going on. But these evil thoughts, these thoughts of death kept coming up and they kept coming up. And no matter what I did... I felt like I was going to die. Like, I just couldn't get past that thought. I, the first week, I was still having physical um, symptoms from the delivery, which made it kind of worse because I kept thinking, I really am going to die. Look, my body's telling me this, you know? And so it was really hard to kind of get past. And then one day, I just kind of fell in the arms of Jesus. And when I say fell, I mean collapsed in the floor of my kitchen saying, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I can't keep living this way. I, I don't know how to live like this. And my body was shaking, and I was having all these symptoms. And I'm like, I need your word to be true. I need you to heal me. I need you to heal me now. I need your word that says that through your stripes I have been healed. Healed. I need that. I confessed my sins. I sat there. At, I mean, everything I knew about scriptures, everything I knew about God came to, I mean, to reality at that moment for me. I'm on that floor confessing. I'm on that floor crying. I'm on that floor pleading the blood of Jesus. I am on that floor believing everything that we tell you every Sunday. I'm over there declaring it and believing it. And I said, God, if I get up out of this floor without these symptoms, I will make the world know that you did it. And I will never forget, I got up from the floor and the physical shaking and the symptoms that I felt stopped immediately. All of the physical, you know, like traumatic things that were happening in my body stopped. And I got up and I was like, oh my God, he did it. (laughs) I was so excited, so glad. I was so happy. The physical symptoms were gone. I'm like, great, right? And so I'm living, I'm excited. That's a happy day. I tell everybody how amazing it was. And then the next day I wake up in the morning, I'm still weak. I'm not feeling any of the physical symptoms, but I'm weak. And now I have to deal with my mind. Because sometimes healing comes completely all at once, right? And sometimes you have to journey it out. And in my mind, I had a journey to walk. And the thoughts in my mind were still very, very strong. And the thoughts that I kept getting were thoughts of death, thoughts of evil, that that I wasn't going to be able to make it. I wasn't going to make it for whatever reason. I wasn't going to make it. And these lies from the pits of hell. Anybody ever have thoughts that you know don't belong to you and they are ugly and dark and evil? Well, I want to tell you guys that we are in a real battle. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm going to come to Jesus and everything's going to be wonderful and great. And my life's going to be 100% positive and I'm going to have nothing to worry about. And that is not true. And yes, Jesus is powerful. He died on the cross to save us of our sins and the work has been completed. But he calls us into war. He calls us to fight and to take a hold of what he has for us. 
And I needed at the, those first few months to take a hold of my thought life. I needed to take a hold, take captive every thought. And when I say every is I wake up at five o'clock in the morning with the weight and the darkness overcoming me. Like it was so heavy and it was, it's usually in those like early morning hours. I don't know if anybody has ever struggled with anxiety or fear or any of these things. They come in those hours where no one is around and there's no one to talk to. And so that darkness would come in and I remember the first thing I would do, I would open up my eyes and I'd begin, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in great pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I kept quoting and quoting and quoting and taking my thoughts and then the next morning I'd wake up, same thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And I made this list of scriptures that I had to declare to be able to get out of bed in the morning. Right? That I had to declare, that I had to bring my mind captive. Guys, when I'm telling you this morning, it's things that I've had to do myself. I'm not giving you a prescription that doesn't work. I'm giving you the solution to taking your thoughts captive and bringing heaven to earth into your day. If we allow the enemy to keep us in the flesh, our lives will produce death. That's what the Bible says. If we allow ourselves to remain in the flesh, it is sin and it is death. That is what, it's the truth. But if we say, no, 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 no. The Lord has more for me. He has called me to more. I will take captive every thought and I will bear the fruit that the Lord has already made for me. I will bear fruit that is life, that produces life in others. Then that means you get up in the morning and you fight. Whenever these thoughts come at you, you take your thoughts captive. You decide you will not be in the flesh. You will live in the spirit and produce life. See guys, every one of us, has that potential within us to be a monster, to become fleshy, to live a life that's in the flesh. But that's not what the Lord has called us. He says in Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Blessed be the Lord. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want a life that produces the fruits of the flesh? Or do you want a life that produces the fruit of the Spirit? Be honest with yourself. It's great to come into church on Sundays and to be in the environment where the Spirit is, right? But this walk is done from Monday through Saturday. And the kind of life and the fruit that you will produce in your life, whether you're going to look like the prodigal son or the older son, or you're going to live a life that the Spirit leads, that comes from investing into the Spirit of God in you. The same potential for the monster, there's also the Spirit of God. The, the Bible says that God has written His law in our hearts. It's also there. And we can choose life. Life and death has been given to us. The Word says choose life. It is entirely up to us what kind of life we will lead. And our invitation to you this morning is what the Word says. 
to seek first the kingdom of God and, re- and trust the Lord that all other things that you do need will be added to you in their time, in their season, and in God's way. That is our encouragement to you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.